Good to see all of you. I am so glad that you are here with us today. Um, thanks. Uh, and uh, we had a great soccer camp. How many, we got some kids in the crowd. How many went to soccer camp? Yeah, sweet. Um, did you have a good time? Yeah, good. I see I prompted that. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it was great. No, they had a great time. They had a lot of fun. It was good. Good. Um, how many coaches do we have? They're all right here. Yay! <laughs> so, anyway, now we're just really thrilled uh, for the amount of heat that we had and everything. The kids had a good time, and it was, uh, it was, it was just a good week. So, um, and we get to end it and, well, actually end one week, but we're really kind of starting a new week. Um, here, and I'm glad that you're here. So when, when we started Thrive Church um, a couple of years ago, one of the in, things that we wanted to do intentionally was to, to really take this idea of discipleship seriously. And not that, you know, all churches don't at, at some point deal with this idea of discipleship, but there's this, there's this passage in Matthew, you might have heard of it, it said, go make disciples, right? I mean, it's this important piece. And, and we said, how are we going to do that in, in our context? And, and for us, there's two, I guess, parts to that. Uh, and the first one is, is obviously we want to go and make new disciples. We want to actually help people find and follow Jesus, but the other part of that, and, and the one that um, I think by default we end up spending a lot of time thinking about, is just becoming better disciples ourselves. Because it's a continual process. I don't care how long you've been in the church, whether you were born and raised in the church all of your life, uh, or if you're just new to this, you will always have another step to take with Jesus. Always. I don't care who you are. Um, there's always a deeper uh, growth. There's, a, there's a, a bigger picture that you live into. All of those things are, are part of uh, discipleship. Everyone has another step to take. Although I've noticed just recently, um, there's this kind of third component, and it's one that I, I find fascinating, but it's helping Christians rediscover discipleship. Let me see if I can explain that just for a little little bit, because... Um, depending on where you live in the country, but, and I think, I think it, it's not just a phenomenon here, but I see it a lot um, in northeast Oklahoma, is that we find a lot of folks who are kind of burned or burned out on church. And it's just helping people say, hey, look, we, we understand that. We're not, we're not going to get it right all the time, but there's still this thing called discipleship, and discipleship following Jesus is really hard to do when you're not in community with other people. And so we'd invite people to be a part of that. And uh, that's kind of another component. It, yeah, it's about being better disciples ourselves, but it's really helping other people kind of reconnect back, back to God. Now, many of us, <clears throat> as we were growing up, we were taught very simply that discipleship was basically three things. Go to church, right? Read your, read your Bible and pray. How many of you have heard that over and over again? And, and that's right, as far as it goes, it's a, you know, good technique for, for discipleship. But then, then you start asking yourselves the questions like, well, which church? Maybe I should just join them all and then I'm covered, right? <laughs> which passages in the Bible and what's more, which translations should I read? Because some translations are better than others. You got the whole camp that says King James Version. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, right? And anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just mean. I don't mean that. And then when you pray, it's how do we pray? Some of you heard me tell this, tell this story before. And, and I had a professor in, in a seminary who was this 
fabulous professor and he deep, godly kind of man. But when he prayed, it was these and thous and hithers and thithers. And I'm like, what language is that? That ain't Greek and that ain't Hebrew. I'm not sure what it is. I think he liked the King James Bible too, but that's another story entirely. So, you know, to further com- complicate things is God works individually and everybody's journey is a little bit different. Have you noticed that when you talk to people and how they came to Jesus and, and how they're following Jesus, it looks very different from yours? And some people you're like, really? <laughs> right? And that happens. And then, and then on top of it, it's really easy to get distracted in this life too, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's things to, there's this thing called Netflix and it's really easy to binge watch that bad boy, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to spend time, you know, praying or reading my Bible because, you know, I could be watching, you know, the latest Marvel, whatever it is on Netflix or whatever it happens to be. And, and look, I'm not the only one. Don't pretend like it's not you too. You know, I understand. So let me get this straight. We have in front of us kind of confusing tools in an, inside of an unclear process in a completely com, complex environment. And that's where we're supposed to do discipleship. Isn't that fun? But at the core, there's, there's something here. There's some good news, actually. And the good news is this, is that God, at least I still believe, that God wants us to be disciples. That part's never changed. Whatever the context is, whatever the things that we're we're uh, facing day in and day out, the good news is, is that God wants us to be disciples. And just to be clear, so that we're all working on the same definition, for me, the idea of discipleship comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that's becoming more like Jesus. To begin to think like him, to love like him, because when I do that, then my behavior changes and I start acting like Jesus. That's discipleship. Anything else in my mind is just another distraction. It's becoming more like Jesus. And the bottom line for me with with all of this is that the world doesn't need another church. It doesn't need another belief system. It needs a whole lot of people acting like Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. And there are steps that we can take to participate with God so that we're intentionally trying to be more like Jesus, that we're, we're doing our part, because this is a partnership. I don't necessarily understand this, but it is something where we partner with God in order for us to be like Jesus. So that means that it's not completely passive. We don't just, we don't just um, kneel or sit, you know, crisscross legs and home and wait for it to happen. And I appreciate the people who are able to do that. I can't because I fall asleep. And for, for, for those of us who are trying to live out our lives in reality, it's a partnership where we do our part and God works with us through real life in real time. And so back in January, do you remember January? It was cooler, by the way, right? Back in January, um, I offered one way in order uh, that, would, that would help us actually um, be like Jesus. So instead of kind of New Year's resolutions or a series of goals, 
I offered you a simple process of, of finding a theme for the year. Do you remember this? How many of you picked out a theme for the year? So here's my question. How's it going with that theme? How you doing with that? Yeah, it's June. It's a, it's a mid-year check-in, and I just kind of want to know, you know, how are you doing with, with your theme? How's it going? Um, most people get off track after a few months. That's normal. For those of you who are overachievers and you've gotten off track, it's okay. You're going to be fine, right? Most people get off track after a few months. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, I did. I got sick in February, and for whatever reason, it really threw me off kind of my pursuit of, of the theme that I had. And I still have my theme, um, but my plan has changed, and I think that we need to talk about that. And I want to talk about it today as kind of this mid-year check-in. And so this idea of choosing a theme for the year when it relates to, the disciple, relates to discipleship comes from a particular passage in Scripture. There's a New Testament writer. His name is Paul. Uh, he set up a lot of uh, churches around the Mediterranean world, and then he wrote letters to them. And in one of the letters, um, he wrote this very interesting passage. And uh, let, me, let me just uh, start reading it for you. It's in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. And he's, this is a very heartfelt passage. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth or value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I consider them garbage. It's a strong word, really. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. And then he goes on. Not that I have already obtained all this. Well, that's good news because the guy who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament just said, hey, I'm not there yet. This is good. This is good news for you and me. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, <clears throat> but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One thing I do. How many of you have one thing on your, on your to-do list? Yeah, right? There's lots of snorts and snickers because we all have probably 15 or 20. In fact, I was talking with my assistant the other day, <clears throat> and I said, my biggest challenge is I have so much on my priority list, I get overwhelmed and I don't even want to look at it. YouTube is much more interesting. Can I just be honest about that? It's true. And some of you are going, man, Netflix, YouTube, what does he do during his days? <laughs> it's okay, right? But that's, that's a, a, a real part of, of this thing called discipleship is that we can just add it to our list of to-dos. And what Paul is suggesting to us, it's not 15 things, it's not three things, it's one thing. It's one thing I do in order to, to, to move towards it. And, and please understand, Paul is talking about righteousness. He's talking about the thing that happens in our heart, the change that comes from within. That's ultimately uh, his subject that he's, he's talking about here. 
And he understands that it's a process and it's not easy, but he chases one thing, just one. And so the beginning of the year kind of posited this question. We said, what if we asked God about that one thing? What if we asked him about it? Because here's, here's the thing, right? If God has my best interests at heart, and God wants me to be a disciple, and God wired me in a particular way, might he not have an idea about what I actually need? I mean, that's just a novel thought, right? That maybe the maker and creator and sustainer of the universe might actually have an idea of what I need in my life to be more like Jesus. So why don't we ask him? Let's inquire of him so that when we're chasing after one thing, what is that one thing? And by the way, your one thing is probably going to look a little different than my one thing because I bring a whole lot of mess into this. How about you? Yeah, and God knows what that is, and so he's going to help me deal with that, and he's going to help deal with your nonsense. And the whole point of this is that we all grow and we become more like Jesus. Now, if you missed the message in January, um, I've got a sheet of paper. Um, uh, there should be one every other seat, uh, but it's a, it's a quick process. I'm going to walk through it, so if you've got a pen and paper and you want to take notes, that's fine. Otherwise, you can find a, uh, an extra one of those floating around. But I, I just kind of want to walk through this once again because discipleship includes skills and habits, and, and what I'm presenting to you is a way of intentionally following Jesus. A again, it's just one. There's other ones out there to be intentional. But here's, here's my challenge to you, though. If you don't like this one, fine. What are you going to do instead? That's the challenge. What are you going to do to try to intentionally follow Jesus? So my point is, do something. If you don't like this one, fine. This is what I'm going to talk about today. But do something because... We want you to be about discipleship. We want you to become more like Jesus. That's the point of this. So, um, here we go. Theme for the year. Uh, make sure I did that. Okay, theme for the year. First part is there, and if you can see it on the, on the sheet, um, what you want to do is you want to select a theme for the year. Now, I've, uh, on that little sheet, and if you want another one, we'll make it available for you online, but on that sheet is a list of potential themes for the year potential ones. Uh, it is not an exhaustive list. Uh, and I find that sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's a phrase. It depends on where you, you are. But the point is you pray and you say, God, what's the thing that you want me to work on for this year? What's the theme? What's the idea here? And, and what I've noticed is over, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years of doing this, that God, well, the Holy Spirit, kind of comes in and there's like this highlighter. And there's a word on there that'll just jump out at you. Almost always, almost always, it's one word. And some, some people, uh, because I've been doing this every single year at the, f the first Sunday of the year, uh, some people walk into that service, they already know what it is. Or as soon as I start talking about it, they immediately know what that theme is. It's amazing to me how I hear that story all the time. <clears throat> Occasionally, it's two words. In a rare occasion, it's three one, two, and on rare occasion, three words that'll jump out. Now, some of you will look at that list and you're, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to go, man, I got to work on all these things. <laughs> okay, that happens. 
That's not from God. You just need to understand that. That is not a God thing. One, two, on rare occasion, three. And God will make, that, make you aware of that. And sometimes it will jump right out at the page, right off the page at you, and sometimes it takes a week or two where you've got to go over that list again. And uh, in, a, in a few days, in a couple weeks, that word will make it itself known to you. And that's the Holy Spirit just working in you because maybe you're not ready for that today. Maybe um, something happened on the way here and you're just not in the right mood and God's just not going to reveal that one to you today because you don't, you're, you're just not in a place where you can receive that. That's okay. But that will happen later on as long as you keep reviewing that and you pray about it. So you select that theme. You work with God to select that theme. And it's always one, maybe two, sometimes three. This year for me, it was a phrase. It's the first time that's ever happened to me um, where I had a phrase. Usually it's just a word. And then secondly, you want to uh, build a routine. And this is probably um, the, the, the biggest challenge for most of us, is that you've got to find a way of keeping that word or that phrase in front of you to remind you of it. So what I often tell people is when you get that word, <clears throat> go look it up in the dictionary so you get a definition. Go look it up in a thesaurus so that you can get some other words that are like it um, because there might be another word in there that resonates with you more. That's okay. And then take and put it on a sticky note and put it on your computer or put it on your cell phone or make it one of your alarms, wh whatever it happens to be. You want to keep that word or phrase in front of you and it needs to be a routine. Um, a lot of you have heard me talk about this before, but I'll often take a dry erase marker and put it on my mirror in the bathroom so that, you know, when the shower comes on and it gets all steamy, hey, there's the word right there. It's really hard to miss. So whatever it is for you, you, you want to try to make it a routine. What does that word mean, and how am I going to keep that in front of me in, in some way, shape, or form? <clears throat> and then the third um, component to this is you need to kind of form a team around this. And here's what I mean by that. I think discipleship is best done in community with other people. Um, uh, I was talking to one of my girls once, and, and uh, she was telling me a story about some, some kids who were at, uh, uh, I think they were in a theater camp, if I remember right. And one kid said to the others, because, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but we don't attend a church. And, and uh, Elizabeth asked me about it. And she goes, Dad, what do you think about that? And I said, you know, if, if church means going to heaven or if Christianity means going to heaven, then, yeah, you don't need to go to church. But if, if church means something more than that, if church means about becoming like Jesus, you kind of need other people around you to do that. You need that community around you. And so if you're going to have this theme for the year, then do it in community with one another. Now, be selective about it. You can't just tell everybody, this is my theme for the year. I mean, I suppose you can, but try to find a couple of people who will just encourage you to, to follow Jesus in that way. A person who will just occasionally check on you and, hey, hey, a couple weeks ago you said this was your theme for the year. How's it going with that? And then, and then find a person who might pray for you about that. Now, here's the thing, though. Um, very often when we ask people to pray, people are like, well, yeah, I'll pray about that. And then they feel guilty that they don't pray about it for like weeks and weeks at a time. Most people are not wired that way. And so what I often try to do is say, hey, you know what? This week, I'm really going to concentrate on my theme for the year. Would you mind praying for me just once this week? Just give that person an opportunity and if you, can, if you can do it now, that's great. But, you know, just sometime during the week, would you mind just praying for me about that? So give them some kind of a time constraint. And here's what I find. When you do that, 
people are more likely to pray for you. It's amazing. Uh, when it's that open-ended kind of prayer, then we all kind of, you know, am I praying enough? Am I not, you know, and then you feel guilty about prayer. That's not God. That's not what we want. We want people praying for each other, but let's do it in a way that makes sense so that people around us can actually support us in that way. So build a team. Find some people who encourage you, who will pray for you. Um, let them know kind of what you expect of them when it comes to prayer. Because um, some people are just wired differently about prayer. Um, Lisa and I have a friend. Her name is Heather. And when we want prayer, we ask Heather to pray for us because Heather will continue to pray for us until we tell her to quit. That's just how she's wired. And I don't know how she does that, but that's what, what God has put in her, and we're very grateful to benefit from that, you know? So keep that in mind, you know, build that team around you. And then finally, the last kind of step in this process is you have to watch the time. And here's what I mean by that. We talk about a theme for a year, but that theme may or may not last a year. It may last six months, and God has taught you as much as he wants to about that particular theme in your life, and you're on to something else. Sometimes, uh, if you're like me and a slow learner, that theme can last two or three years. And that's happened to me before, where I'd get to that January, and I'd be like, okay, God, what's my theme? That's that same word. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and God's like, mm-hmm, you've got work to do on this. Okay. Um, but then after a few months, after, you know, a couple of years and then a few months, I've noticed that that one kind of began to fade out and a new one showed up. It was a new theme that God wanted to work on. And the two were related and that's all right. But the point is to watch the time. It's not, you know, 365 days, I've learned it, time to move on. But rather God in his time is going to teach you the things that you need to know and you just trust him for that. You know, the upshot to all of this is that it doesn't matter the time of year. You can pick a theme at any point. Why? Because it's God-driven, and God loves you, and he has your best interests at heart, and he really does have this idea of you becoming like Jesus at the center of all that he has for you. And as painful as that might be sometimes, at the end of the day, that theme is God-driven. And when it's God-driven, it doesn't matter when you start because he doesn't move. Does that make sense? It's a simple process um, that requires you to be in relationship with God, but it's a simple process, and it gives you a way of doing that. Now, if you're like me uh, or like any you know, normal human being and you get derailed because it is possible, um, or if you're not derailed yet, there's a good chance you will be in the future. It's okay. You're human. It happens. Um, here's how you might be able to, to reset. And so if you have a sheet, there's a little fill in the blank there for you. I'll put it on the screen so that you can see it. And the first one is, is it's an acrostic reset. First is to revisit your theme. If you've kind of gotten off track... There might be a reason for that. God may have switched. Your circumstances in your life have changed to such a point or you've learned enough where God might have something else for you. But revisit that list, that, that list of themes, and just say, God, is this still my theme? But let me revisit that. Here's where I was at the beginning of, of the year. Here's where I am now. God, is, is this what you have in mind for me? And you review the list. And then uh, if you don't like the word revisit, then recommit to your, to your theme, whatever that happens to be. Recommit. Secondly, if, uh, evaluate the past few months. How are you doing with it? 
Yes, you got off track. That's okay. How are you doing with that theme? How did you get off track? What can you control? Because it's very easy for us to worry about all the things we can't control, but what can you control when it comes to your theme? Did you make progress? Now, here's the thing. I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm going to say. Because when I ask that question, you need to be honest. When you do your evaluation, if you really want to follow Jesus and you want to be intentional about it, you have to be honest about your evaluation and progress. Okay? And there's two sides to that, and I really need you to listen because this is important. First of all, don't exaggerate the amount of progress you actually made. I'm doing great with this. Look at me growing up all over the place. Okay, don't exaggerate it. But on the other hand, and this is the trap that most Christians fall into, and I've seen this over and over and over and over again. Don't downplay the progress you have made. Have a sober understanding of what actually occurred in your life. Because here's what often happens, is that when, you've got, when you have this theme in your life and you're working on it, it's very easy for us to focus on the negative. Well, I could have done that better, and I could have done that better, and I could have done that better. Does this sound like anybody you know? Maybe the person in the mirror? But to really look at it and say, I have made some progress. I, I have made some growth. I have grown. Don't exaggerate it, but don't you dare downplay it. That is God working in your heart. And you need to celebrate that. Thank you, God, for the little bits. Even if you made a baby step, that is God working in your life. And you need to celebrate the fact that he loves you that much to help you that much right now. Because you know the next one might be a little bit bigger. And the next one might be, why? Because you can't handle it yet. You're still growing. You're still learning about that particular theme. And God has so much more for you in that. Celebrate even if it feels like a baby step. Don't exaggerate, but don't you dare downplay it. I don't want that for you. I really want you to have a a sober understanding of this. So evaluate it. And then simplify it if necessary. Um, Human beings, have you noticed this? We tend towards complexity. We like complex things, don't we? If you own a Microsoft computer, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) There, I said it. I'm sorry. You've got, uh, yeah, uh, I, have some, um, I have a car sitting in my driveway right now that, that needs some work on it, and um, I am not a car guy, okay? I know where the gas goes, and I know where the uh, oil change place is, okay? And that's, I'm telling you, I'm not a car guy. And uh, I get a car that needs some work. Um, and for me, I look at it, and it's just this mass of tubes and metal and whatnot. But I got a neighbor a couple doors down. He is a car guy. And uh, he can kind of make that simple. He makes that complex thing a little more simple. Oh, yeah, well, this then goes to the, the thingy-me-doodle and the I don't know. I can't even, I don't even know what half this stuff is, right? It's all electronic. I don't know. So, um, but we tend towards complexity. And, and even when we try to simplify things, we tend to make it a little more complex because you used to be able to work on your car. And then now they made it all electronic. And so you got to go to a place to hook it into a computer. And I just, anyway. We tend to err on the side of complexity, and complexity kills execution. Complexity will kill execution nine out of ten times. 
And so simplify it. Maybe one of the reasons why you got off track is you, you had too complex of a process. I don't know. I'm just asking you to think about it a little bit. And finally, or not finally, but the next step is to engage in the process again. To engage with your theme one more time. Now, this is another important thing. I think it's crucial. It's just crucial. You need to restart thinking about your theme. Now, I've been doing this for a while. And the reality is we have an enemy. There's no getting around that. And the enemy gets inside your head. And he tells you lies. I've failed. Or I failed again. Why on earth would I start this theme thing again? Because I'm just going to fail once more later on down the road. I can't do it. It's too hard. I didn't really start in January, so why on earth should I start now? Maybe I should just wait till next January. Oh, wait, because I probably won't do it then again either. I'm not going to change anyway. There's no growth here. You want to know why I can spout all those off? Because I've heard the enemy whisper that in my ear more times than I can count. I had been beaten up. I had been hurt. I have uh, been bloodied. I have been bowed. I have been all of those things. And so if you think you're alone and feeling like you can't do it, you're not. I don't want to dismiss what you're feeling there's an enemy who wants to keep you out of the game. Don't let him. Don't let him do that to you. God has something else for you. And if it weren't great, the enemy would not be interested. Are you listening? That is an important thing. That is so crucial. It's so crucial for us to think about how we talk to ourselves. And I find this just incredibly powerful. But the verse that I want to bring you to is the same one that James read at the beginning of service today. By the way, he and I didn't talk about this. Okay, this is not a setup, I promise you. I will pull your leg, but I will never out and out lie to you, okay? Just so that you understand that. But this is, this is the truth. I mean, he quoted this, and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, isn't that amazing? And that's why I think God's got something for us today. It's Philippians chapter 1. So we just read Philippians chapter 3, chapter 1. He is thanking Um, God for this group of Christians. He says, um, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the moment that the enemy whispers in your ear that you can't do it, that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not spiritual enough, that you don't have it all together, and you didn't go to seminary, and you don't know how to read, and you don't have the time, and you get all these other things, you remind him, he began a good work, and he's going to finish it. 
Because it's not just on me. Are you with me on this? It is crucial that we understand that re-engaging is a process. Remember, there used to be this old thing about uh, smoking. Don't quit quitting, right? Don't quit re-engaging. I don't care if you do it a thousand times. God's going to meet you a thousand and one. It doesn't matter how many times you trip up. God's still there. He hasn't moved. And he still has your best interest at heart. He still wants you to become like Jesus no matter how hard it is. Keep that in mind. This is God at work. This is not just something we do ourselves. We are partnering with him, trying to create a place for him to do the things that only he can do. And so here's the final one. After you engage to reset, you want a time block. And here's what I mean by that. You need to make time for this theme. Yes, pray about it. Yes, read your Bible about it. Yes, think about your theme. Do all of these things. Talk about it with people. One of the most powerful things that you can do is you can sit across from somebody, for whatever reason, coffee helps lubricate this, but you can have that conversation with somebody and say, hey, this is my theme for the year. What does that word mean to you? And just let somebody else speak into it. Wait, you don't have time for coffee? That's what I'm talking about. You need to make time for that. We have to make time for other people. We have to make room for others to speak into it. Ask yourself this question, how might I, how might I build more of this love or this empathy or or communication or whatever your theme is, how might I actually do that this year or this next month or even this next week? Or maybe you get up in the morning and just say, how might I do it today? Start there, that's fine. You see, I believe in a really, really big God who's really, really interested in what I'm doing and what you're doing and for us to become like Jesus together. And in case you you haven't figured this out yet, I want you to hear it from me. And this is kind of the official version of what this church believes. The whole point of Christianity is not heaven. It's not. Heaven will take care of itself if you partner with God in becoming like Jesus. That's the point of Christianity. The point of this whole faith, this whole church, is to be more like Jesus and we'll let heaven worry about itself. You see, I trust the one who is doing the good work in me to take care of me on that last day. You understand that? Jesus is less interested in getting us into heaven than he is in bringing heaven to earth. And the only way we see, the best illustration we see of heaven on earth is Jesus loving on people, making lame beggars walk and blind men see. Becoming like Jesus matters. It matters for you, and it matters for your corner of the world.